Hello and welcome to Making of a Historian, the podcast chronicling one grad student's quest to write his dissertation, get a job, teach a class, raise a new baby daughter, and survive the coronavirus epidemic with at least a little bit of my sanity preserved. Um, So this is the seventh in a continuing series uh, of uh, podcasts that follow a class that I'm teaching at UC Berkeley about work and play in the Industrial Revolution. We have been focusing a lot on the Industrial Revolution part of uh, uh, this a story of particularly about work and and for the next uh, a couple episodes we are going to be talking about work and play in the home. In this episode we're going to be talking about an incredibly important kind of worker, the domestic servant. The biggest category of employment in 1851 in Britain when we think that the Industrial Revolution is at its height is not a factory worker. It is instead an indoor female domestic servant. Families from middle class up relied on female domestic servants to do so many things, to sew their clothes together, to heat their water, to make their food, to clean their houses, to educate their children, to administer medicine when they were sick, to do the shopping, to you know make furniture and repair furniture. Everything that you do today in your own home that seems trivial work that keeps your household going was in the 18th and 19th century done often by paid female domestic labor. And this story of female domestic labor challenges a lot of the narratives that I have been telling you about work and play in the Industrial Revolution. It stands outside of that narrative, completely apart, because it was not mechanized. It was not part of this increasing development of a capitalist factory economy. So how we're going to be doing this today is first, I'm going to give a little bit of a lecture of the longer history of domestic servants uh, in Europe. Um, Then I'm going to be talking about what makes uh, domestic labor different from other kinds of labor. Um, Usually when we talk about domestic service in the 19th century, we we, we frame it as kind of an atavistic holdover from an older world that's going to be destined to to, to end, right? We know that in the 20th century, their rates of domestic service decline really precipitously. Uh, We don't have uh, a lot of domestic servants today in, in, in first world countries. Um, it's domestic service seems to be something that the modern world erases. But I think that that's really wrong. I think instead that we are all domestic servants or, you know, that's that's saying it uh, uh, really strongly. I think that domestic servants service is not an atavistic holdover from an old world, but rather a precocious uh, uh, harbinger of the new kind of work that we do today service work. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about how domestic servants pave the way for the kind of work that we increasingly do today. Okay, so first I'm going to just orient us and talk about the longer history of domestic servants in Northwestern Europe. What we have to understand about Northwestern Europe to to make sense of why there's so much servant keeping is that Northwestern Europe had uh, weak families. 
Um, there's a thing called the European marriage pattern. This is distinguished by this is this is a way of forming a family. People end up marrying rather late. They have uh, fewer children because they are reproducing for a lot uh, less time. And when they marry, they go off and they form their own household separate from the households of their parents. Um, and instead of living with cousins and children and brothers and aunts and uncles all together in a big property, people had to make their own houses and increasingly relied on people from outside the family to help out with household work. There's a lot of debate about what exactly caused the European marriage uh, pattern and, and what that leads to, but I just want to use that as, as the setting. Northwest Europe in particular had weak families, and so people needed to reach out to non-kin to help out in a lot of the work that you needed to do to get a home. So in early modern England, about 40% of all households had servants. Um, women made up about four-fifths of all servants. Um, half of all these uh, families had one servant, um, and 80% had only one or two. So let's just talk a little bit about what this is. Service is a life cycle employment for people. People tend to go to domestic service when they're young to save money, to learn skills, to meet people, to leave the house, to find marriage partners. Um, and they save up all of this cultural capital and all this money to set up their houses before marrying. And so this was work. You know, you get paid for it, you have set tasks, but it's different from work in the way that we usually understand it because um, you domestic servants live in the house. And in early modern England, in the 18th century England, servants were considered family members. They're considered dependents of the householder, even if they're not kin. Um, servants, along with women and children, are dependents of, of, a house, of a particular household. They are part of it. They could be legally obligated to work. They could be bound to work for a particular period of time. But they also had to be fed and cared for um, by the master of the house. And this isn't just like you know, weak. Uh, often when uh, a householder died, they would leave situations for uh, their servants. They'd give them money uh, to help them in that act of setting up their own household. And remember, a lot of the people who were keeping the households, a lot of the husbands and wives who sat at the top of the domestic arrangement were, had themselves been in their own time domestic servants or servants of a particular uh, a craftsperson. So that's the long background. In Northwest Europe, we're talking about England, Netherlands, Germany, France, all that. There's a lot of servant keeping because there are weak families. Um, and this continues on into the heart of the Industrial Revolution. And usually when we think about domestic labor in the context of the Industrial Revolution, we think of it as kind of this charming little holdover uh, from an earlier period of time. But I want to say that domestic labor, service labor, isn't atavistic. It isn't a holdover. In fact, it's precocious. It looks forward to the new way of working that happens in post-industrial life, the post-industrial life that we live in today. Why? Because a domestic servant doesn't just make a thing. 
you know, when a domestic servant works in the household, they are a member of that household, even though they're an employee. They do not just heat up the water, uh, wipe off the little children's runny noses, cook the food and scrub the floors. They need to have particular kinds of emotional responses to the people that they work with. Uh, to actually do their jobs well. A good nanny, for example, is not just a person who can make the kids not cry. A good nanny makes the kids love them. And this is the kind of work that increasingly people today do, what is called emotional labor. The idea of an emotional labor is that you're not just producing a thing in your work. You have to produce particular kinds of emotional responses. Usually when we talk about emotional labor, like the paradigmatic example is the fast food worker. The fast food worker doesn't just need to take your money and flip your burgers. What they also need to do is to do those work of taking your money and flipping burgers with a smile. The good burger flipper is happy as they do their burger flipping. If they're surly or grumpy, and who wouldn't be surly or grumpy when flipping burgers, that is in some way not acceptable. And domestic service is, is this to a T. When a domestic servant works, they're not just working in the home, they're working with the home to create a particular kind of emotional response. So, that, I think, is, 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 is really important to point out, because increasingly, most of the jobs that we do have a hearty component of emotional labor. Just look at my job as a teacher. Um, when I go in to teach my students, it's not enough for me to have a lesson plan. It's not enough to have done the reading. It's not enough to, you know, mark up my students' papers well. I have to have a particular set of emotional responses to my students. If I was cold or bored or mean, that would in some way be inappropriate. Similarly to my job as a podcaster or to any entertainer, I am doing my job in some way more or less successfully. The more emotion that I can bring across uh, to you. Doing this work, I put aside the fact that I am actually kind of tired, that I'm bored, that I'm frustrated, that I don't want to record a podcast, that nobody listens to my podcast. I bracket all of those negative emotions, and instead, I evoke a particular kind of excited emotion to bring my enthusiasm for history to you, the listener. And in this, I am far more a domestic servant than I am a factory worker. And why is that important to point out? Well, look, domestic servants are ignored because their labor is not given the kind of, of, of value that we accord to the strong, muscular craftspeople of the Industrial Revolution because it is gendered female. The work of emotional labor and household servants we think is less important because it's done by women. The work of emotional labor is considered less important in the modern workplace because it's gendered female. When we think about being a good worker, when we think about being a good student, we continually put the non-emotional aspects of our labor up higher than the emotional aspects of our labor, even though when we think about what it is to work, the emotional aspects are much more important. And additionally, the household servants were not just unskilled, you know, cleaners and cookers and drawers of water and huggers of children and managers of their boss's emotions. They were also in many ways highly skilled laborers. I mean, the most obvious kind of household 
uh, domestic servant that is highly skilled is the cook. You know, that cooking is a difficult uh, uh, a skill to master. It's a tacit skill. Some people are better than cooking it than others. Um, and that that skill is something that you can, you know, really uh, uh, immediately and viscerally understand. But all domestic servants or a great deal of domestic servants were highly skilled. Um, many domestic servants were in charge of the household accounts. They had to go off and buy and sell particular household goods. They are the ones who did the shopping to fill the lotters up with bread and flour and stuff for the cooks to do their cooking. And to do that, they needed to keep accounts that were transparent and legible so that they could be audited by the masters of the house. That's a really difficult skill to keep accounts, something that we really do not think of as in the wheelhouse of women in the 19th century. But here you are, you have domestic servants, female domestic servants, spending a lot of their time in account books doing math. And they had to negotiate prices with people. They had to bargain. They had to to, to manage an incredibly large, sometimes super large organizations uh, 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 purchasing. Um, A lot of household servants, because of this, were highly literate. They could read, they could write, they could do accounts, they were numerate, they could do multiplication, they could, you know, they they were educated. Also, domestic servants were often in charge of the production of medicine in the household. Uh, It was a domestic servant who would, say, mix a laudanum uh, uh, tincture uh, to give to a crying child. It was a domestic servant who would uh, put away... seasonal fruits and vegetables in 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 uh jars to be preserved for the winter it was a domestic servant who uh would uh you know do some basic medicine around the house um and of course a lot of domestic servants were involved in that key skilled bit of labor of education was domestic servants who uh did education in the nursery, taught the children to read and write and to think. It was domestic servants who led children and young adults uh, through their courses of, of, of reading uh, that would bring them to be educated members of the public. And lest we think that cleaning is somehow unskilled, the the 19th century domestic servant had to gain a great deal of skill in figuring out how to clean to shining, uh, uh, sparkling uh, cleanliness, the copper pots and the big kettles. And, you know, that was that was really difficult. It was a difficult task to uh, make sure that large pots of water were boiling so that you could clean clothes. This was difficult and skilled labor. Every bit as skilled as the skilled labor that we normally associate with very highly skilled uh, manual craftsmen of the Industrial Revolution. But we ignore it because it was done by women. We ignore it because the product was not a thing that survives, but instead the reproduction of the household. We ignore it because part of that uh, production was not, you know, a, a, a thing you could touch, but rather a feeling, even though that feeling was deeply important. So domestic servants should be really front and center in our understanding of the Industrial Revolution. They are some of the people who kept the household spaces clean, well-ordered, nice and friendly so that the people uh, who lived there could go off to work and importantly could come home and have fun. The domestic servant is the person who made the clothes that the people who owned the factories wore. So 
Thank you very much for joining me on this little abbreviated uh, episode of Making of Historian. Um, thank you uh, to everybody who likes and shares the podcast. Thank you to uh, Duncan Barton for the image. And thank you to Jonathan Lear for our theme music. Uh, we will be back um, tomorrow um, with discussion of child labor. Um, thanks very much for listening and stay safe in the coronavirus. Coronavirus.